Bender, eh? You're a prince among robots. Can you forgive me for distrusting you? Oh, I can't stay mad at what is essentially me. I love me. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And, uh, yeah. You know, I'm going to make a prediction. It's kind of an off-the-wall prediction, and I really hope you leave this in when you edit because it's almost certainly going to be wrong. All right. I think this episode might end up being shorter than the episode of Once Upon a Time. I'm almost certain that's not true just given how our show runs, but my god. Yeah, this this one was some roof stoof. That, that's rough stuff. That is rough stuff. Okay. This is episode 14 of season 6, by the way. Page 23. Or, I, God, I don't even remember what book we're on, other than the fact that it is Mamageddon 2, Mamageddon Harder. Uh, no, it's uh, Mamageddon 2, Son of Mamageddon. Mamageddon 2, Son of Mamageddon. Yeah, because, you know, Gideon. Yes. And Rumple. Alright, so as a reminder, at some point in the past, Hook murdered David's dad, and he was reminded of that by some adventure with Pinocchio, and now he's feeling guilty because he accidentally proposed to Emma, like this was the end of that season of Friends where Rachel had a baby. I was thinking about that episode, the one where no one proposes. Yes, the one where no one proposes. Where Rachel thinks that Joey is proposing and then Joey is too embarrassed and he just goes through with it. Which, by the way, I could absolutely 100% see happening to either of us. Yes, true. And Regina split off her evil self into a separate person and then that person got turned into a snake, but she's back now. I don't think you need to say that on the previously on. It's the plot. Yeah, The recap felt like it needed to remind us of it, so. Yeah. So the episode opens in one of those dirt farms that snow's kingdom is famous for we're in the past this is in the days of queen regina going around torching people yes this is when regina is still trying to find snow to enact her revenge we see a couple of archers preparing to fire on this village they got there before regina and then they're just kind of like lounging around waiting to be evil like in once more with feeling when spike shows up to the bronze before everyone else and then has to kind of stand there awkwardly until the choreography gets everyone else there I think they're supposed to be there to cut off Snow White's escape, were I to guess. Okay, well, not very good at it, are they? I guess neither one of them's the ironic archer, because the ironic archer definitely would have caught Snow escaping. So, Regina's carriage pulls up to this village, and... This village, which is two huts. Two huts. Two huts is all the production could afford this week. So... Regina's outfit's got a lot going on. It's a leather overcoat mm-hmm. and a saucy little pillbox hat. A saucy pillbox hat with a evil peacock feather in it. Oh, Max. All peacock feathers are evil. Uh, let me be more specific. A goth peacock feather in it. Yes, accurate. And one of those, I want to call it a dicky, but it's not. It's one of those like scarf things that's like a turkey plume. Dickie is the right word. She's got like a lace dicky. She's for 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 whatever reason she's brought her father with her on this revenge mission, a thing which we have never seen her do before. Uh, I guess he needed to get out of the castle. He needed to stretch his legs. 
She didn't want him going into her room and looking for drugs or whatever. Reading her diary. So, Regina's intel has brought her to one of the two specific huts in this village. She walks in and sees a prone figure lying in bed. Just the hair, actually, because a blanket is covering the rest of the figure. And then when she reaches through the blanket to rip out the heart through the blanket, it turns out that it's just hay. It's hay and a wig stuffed under a blanket to look like a person, like medieval Ferris Bueller. I don't know, like... Or perhaps it was the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. No, Zelina killed him, remember? Oh, right. <laughs> but, uh, would we be surprised to find out that Mary Margaret is actually just a bundle of hay wearing a wig? Oh, my... You know? I... Okay. Okay! So, Regina lines up all of the villagers, and to her credit, she said, get all the surrounding villagers to her guards, so... And then she kills one of the guards for emphasis in her anger. Yeah, she's like, I love you, snaps the neck of her guard. Snow doesn't love you, I do. You're just really not selling this. No, not at all. Her speech about how much she loves the villagers more than Snow because Snow was willing to let them die and she's willing to not kill them. Yeah, basically. Which, I guess that's a point. She's, she's not wrong. But then Tinkerbell shows up. Yes, the speech is interrupted by Tinkerbell, who's like, No, she turned her back on love. Oh my god, Tink. Tink is back with her bullshit. Was I zombie having, like, spring break or something? Well, to be fair, it was pretty important to get Tinkerbell back for this episode, considering what happens, I guess. But, like, no costume. They just, like, threw a cloak on her, and they're like, Okay, you've got, like, ten lines. Well, she's not a fairy anymore. What else should she be wearing? Hmm point yeah tinkerbell remember lost her right to be a fairy because she stole pixie dust to bring regina to her true love and then regina decided not to meet her true love and so so tinkerbell lost her wings for stealing the pixie dust see she had thought that if regina went with her love that they would forgive the stealing so honestly blaming regina is kind of a stretch because there's no guarantee that blue would have been cool with you stealing the pixie dust if Regina had gone off to bone Robin Hood. And also, when all this was happening, Regina was married to the king. You famously cannot go off and bone bandits when you're married to the king. Mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Also, when has Blue ever been cool? Like, this was such a huge assumption on Tinkerbell's part. I, this whole plot is so ridiculous. So, Tinkerbell is still on her weird life coach thing. I suppose this is before she, well, I guess it would have to be before she got banished to Neverland. We never got the story on how she got from point A to point B here. Well, Hook was here for some reason killing David's dad. Maybe he gave her a ride. (laughs) God. This whole season is so weird because... On the one hand, we're going back a lot to stuff that has happened in previous seasons so that all of the loose ends can be wrapped up. But on the other hand, there's just a total disregard for continuity and what happened when and what things mean. Mm. So Tinkerbell tells the crowd, no, she doesn't know what love is. She needs me to show her. 
But song lyrics aside. Uh, oh, yeah. I didn't know what you were doing there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see it now. She doesn't know what love is uh, because she didn't bone this one dude. I told her to bone this one time. And Regina's like, look, I'm going to demonstrate that I know what love is by not murdering you or murdering any of these people. I, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't. I mean, on the one hand, it makes sense to not murder them because they have nothing for you. There's no point in murdering them. But why do you care what they think? You have not shown in the past any concern with what they think. Now you care what they think? No, you don't. To be... I I was going to say to be fair, but I guess it's not really to be fair. The show does go back and forth on that a lot. Like, one of Regina's main complaining points about Snow used to be that she's turning the kingdom against her. And that the people can never love her as long as Snow's running around spreading lies about her. But she also was going around murdering people all the time, so... She literally snapped a guard's neck for emphasis. This wasn't even like a you-have-displeased-me henchman murder. It was literally just to punctuate her sentence. Yeah, did they forget that the guards are, like, people? Because, I mean, it really seems like they forgot that the guards are actually people present evil regina is walking through the enchanted forest with robin hood she needs him to steal something so that she can get out of storybrook and in return she told him that she would get him out as well last week they were talking about going to new york but now she tells him she's going to send him back to the wish first the only place he's really at home what i really like about the scene is it goes back to the foundation of regina classic and robin hood classics relationship which is, of course, classism. Yeah, yeah. Remember, back when Regina first met Robin, she dismissed him as someone who bathes in rivers and uses pine cones for money. Here, evil Regina dismisses Wish versus Robin as somebody who sleeps on the ground, and he clarifies he sleeps on a layer of straw that has been spread on the ground. There's a layer of separation. He's very specific. Honestly, this is the most I've ever liked Robin. Evil Regina brings him to a cemetery and tells him that the kind of robbing she needs him to do is grave robbing. And then magics up a shovel for him. A, like, old, dirty shovel, by the way, which is just hilarious because she could have made any type of shovel. We know she just bought a new shovel back in season one. And there's well, no way she's been using it six, all Oh, okay. I was going to say that was six years ago, but you're right. It hasn't had any use. Yeah, how often does Regina have shovel? shoveling needs? Although, I don't know. Huh. She does garden. Yeah. Actually, I think there is a fair amount of digging. Not specifically. I don't remember the specific scene, but I do remember Regina digging in her outfit that was very inappropriate for digging, so. That's that's what this episode has done to us, by the way. If we're analyzing Regina's digging needs. I was going to say we're analyzing her shovel quality. So, back in the... I guess it's a B-plot for this episode. It was the main plot of last episode, but... Emma shows up at the Charming Loft to show off her engagement ring and be the closest to Princess Emma that we've ever seen her be. Yeah, she's like, look at my ring, everyone. And Snow's like, ooh. And Henry's like, so how'd the proposal go? Like, did he do a big thing? This is the era of grand YouTube gesture proposals. So did he have, like, a pirate crew dancing for you or whatever? And she's like... No, actually, I kind of found the ring and then said yes before he could ask. Literally like that one episode of Friends. Yep. 
then Selena and Regina show up, and again, I like Selena more than I've ever liked her, because she's like, we have evil and important, oh my god, a ring! Yeah, and she grabs Emma's hand and pulls it to her, and Emma's like, yeah, I'm engaged, and I'm like, you were trying to kill each other, like, very recently. This is really funny, because as much as I hate the, oh my god, I'm engaged trope, I really love the evil, serious people on serious business being distracted by everyday banality trope. So I hate that Emma's in there showing off her ring, and I love that Selena comes in and gets distracted by it. It's just so bizarre to have Selena be the one who's like, oh my god, a ring! <laughs> like, Well, it, you know she's into jewelry. It's such a weird thing for the character, yes. So... It's it's also weird that they have her there because then the rest of the scene is immediately cutting around her. Could they only get her for that one bit? The whole scene is shot in a really awkward manner that makes me think that it was a fill-in scene that they shot later specifically to establish that last week evil Regina who had been trapped in snake form was stolen and now no one knows where she is and specifically to deliver that information to emma and henry also regina says that the evil queen may have found a way to slip her mortal coil which is a terrible stretch of a pun because she was a snake don't you know that's a terrible stretch of a pun it's stretched so much it's transparent so back in the cemetery Robin's almost through with digging this hole when he turns to the evil queen and is like, wait, couldn't you have just used magic to pull up the box? And she's like, I like watching men dig. I mean, she could have. She absolutely could have. It's a very Anya moment. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, Robin finds a box and inside the box are the shears of fate. He's like, what the fuck is this? And Regina's like, I know they look ridiculous, but... If you look at, uh, what was that painting we saw? I know, I was gonna say that. Okay, so we talked about how ridiculous the shears of fate look, and then you and I, over Christmas, were at a museum, and we saw an actual Renaissance painting of the fates with their scissors, and it looked like these scissors. We posted it on Twitter when I saw it. We'll post it on Twitter again. And then, someone else on that thread commented and pointed out that Disney also used that inspiration in the animated Hercules movie, mm. and that the shears in that movie look like this as well. So that's on us. I'm going to say the same thing now that I said then, which is I think this is an example of something that is drawn or animated looking ridiculous in real life, like Buffy's scythe, mm. which was originally created for the comic book Frey and then had to be recreated in real life. God, it's so bizarre that Frey came out before the last season of uh, Buffy. It really is. Because it really feels like a post-Buffy thing. Well, I mean, it, it is. There, You know there's an arc in the comics where Buffy ends up in the future. I, well, they had to deal with that in the comics because Frey takes place so many years after the events of... After the events of Buffy, and... And the Buffy TV series left us ready for Frey. And then if they were going to do an ongoing comic, they had to dismiss what happened in Frey one way or another. Or else, or, you know, just acknowledge that it was in a different continuity. 
or else it just doesn't match. Like in Smallville, how you start to do Smallville and then at some point you're bumping up against the actual continuity of Superman unless you address it. Mm. Or in Smallville's case, just don't. Just keep going. Yeah, there is a Superboy and a Supergirl in Smallville before Clark Kent ever becomes Superman. You know what really bothers me is that I loved the Lana Lang-Lex Luthor relationship in Smallville, but it had to be sabotaged, you know, Riley style because that's not what happens in the comics like just go with it just go with what's working with the actors and the story that's organically growing also just for the record uh in the comics lana lang doesn't end up with superman level powers but radiating kryptonite so she can never be with clark kent which is how i believe they wrote lana lang out of the show more shame to the comics that's an awesome ending well, she had her insect queen thing going on, which I don't remember if Smallville ever touched on. Uh, you know, I stopped Smallville after a while. Honestly, stopped watching Smallville pretty quickly after they broke up Lana Lang and Lex Luthor. Cause... You, made it, you made it further than I did. I stopped, like, season two, and I'm like, oh my god, it's just the same plot every episode. Um, I think you mean Monster of the Week? Yes. It's not... Doing, it's, doing Monster of the Week isn't the same as being repetitive. It's a procedural. I mean, it's a non-cop medical procedural. There is a procedure. Someone gets infected with kryptonite, they become a monster, Superman figures out how to fight them, the end. Yeah. Not everything has to have continuity. It can be dangerous to have continuity, like on this show, where <laughs> none of the writers remember what it is. Uh, so... Hook is down at the docks being sad because he killed Emma's grandfather, I guess, and that's going to affect their relationship. Well, he's, like, really sure that she's going to be pissed off about this, and he doesn't know how to tell her. She wouldn't be pissed off if you just told her she's going to be pissed off that you were lying. I don't think it's fair to say that you can ever tell how a Charming is going to respond to anything like that. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, their, their main thing is being, uh contrary so yep anyway his sad doc musings are interrupted by nemo who's like hey we're gonna head out i'm i i know we don't get very much time with nemo but my god this man speaks entirely in inspirational facebook aunt memes oh like something flowery that you'd put over a picture of a minion yes or a sunset yeah honestly i think he's getting us ready for next season which we only got through like three episodes of, but there was a lot of long inspirational speeches in that, in those three episodes. He gives Hook such weird advice. Hook's like, there's something nobody knows except Dr. Hopper, that I have this big dark secret that'll totally break up me and Emma if I tell her. And Nemo's like, well, the truest path to love is honesty, but also it's cool if you just lie to her, if you can just, you know, deal with it on your own. So here's what Hook is doing right now, by the way. First of all, he doesn't tell Nemo that the only person who knows about it is Dr. Hopper. He says no one knows about it. But that's not true. As you point out, he already told Dr. Hopper. And now he's telling Nemo. And he's just going to keep telling people and asking for advice until he doesn't have to take any action because it just blows up in his face anyway. I want to say exactly what Nemo says here. He's like, guilt is corrosive to the soul, so you must tell this woman and her family the truth. Or, keep it a secret and learn to forgive yourself. That covers everything, Nemo! Yeah. Just do something. Or nothing. 
That's essentially what he's saying here. Like, you can either tell her or don't. Like, what? That's not advice. That's the inspirational post version of just shut up about it. I'm leaving town and I don't want to have this conversation anymore. Yep. So, Henry's in his room when the evil queen walks in and he kind of no-sells this. He's like, well, looks like you're not a snake anymore, huh? And she has his author's pen and is like, I took your pen. And he is just really calm about this. She's like, I don't want you ruining my plans. And he's like, I don't really use my reality warping anyway. Like, you probably don't have to worry about it. Also, she tells him that she doesn't want him to write her... Out of existence. And he's like, why would you think I would do that? Henry actually, honestly, Henry is great here. Because he's he's like, you know what? You can tell in his little heart. He's like, you know what? I single-handedly redeemed the evil queen once. I'll just fucking do it again. He's like, Mom, I know that somewhere there's good in you. Literally, there's not in this case, but... Well... Good show, Henry. What is it? I mean, he basically says that. He's like, look, I redeemed Regina. I can redeem you. I know you think that there's no good in you, but there is, because, you know, you're fucking Regina. Like... We've been through this before. I have done this before. I'm not sweating this situation at all. And the Evil Queen's like, look, whatever. I'm giving you this note to uh, give to Regina. We're going to have a showdown. Remember that I love you. And Henry's like, bye, Mom. Right. Henry has the weirdest parent situation (laughs) on this show, which is saying something. Sometimes a family can be three moms, one of whom is just one of your old moms who was split in half. Speaking of parents, in this case, terrible parents, in the flashback, Regina, normal Regina, all in one Regina, is up in her tower when her father comes in and... He's giving... She's like, look, I don't want any life advice from you, Victorian ghost dad. And he's like, ah, but remember the... I, I remember the last time I saw you truly happy when you were riding that horse of yours. You remember that horse whose heart you ripped out to try to power your dark curse, except maybe that hasn't happened yet at I this point. I don't think that's happened yet. How old is this horse supposed to be by now? Uh, who knows? Horses live for a really long time. We looked this up before. Horses live for a really long time. Yeah, well, not a really long time. Not like parrot long. No, but like, they live for like 20 years. years. Yeah, they, yeah. they live for a long time. I'm just saying that horse was probably on its last legs by this point. Yeah. Anyway, so he's like, look, I just want to see you happy again. And if revenge will make you happy, I've got a plan that will definitely get you revenge. I'm, I'm definitely telling the truth about this. Yeah, he tells her that he's going to bring her on a fetch quest and they're going to get one of her mother's old spell books. A spell book so dangerous that he hid it from her. So that she didn't get any evil ideas, which, if you know Regina, is really saying something. Also, I mean, Regina should know this is bullshit because it's Cora, and Cora just left magic shit laying all around the house. Right? Remember the episode with the wand? Yeah. So, it turns out that the evil queen's come and fight me note that she sent to Regina was written on the eponymous page 23 yes the page really that's the page in the in henry's book 
In Henry's book, Regina's thing is on page 23. Wait, let's back up and explain what the page is. Okay. So, the page is a page that Regina found when she was looking for clues about some other thing in the library. It's a missing page from Henry's book. That shows her going into the tavern and hooking up with Robin. Just banging him right there in front of everyone in that tavern. Now, the point of this page to Regina was that she thought it was an alternate timeline where she got to live her happy ending because she did what Tink told her to do. Mm-hmm. But we actually find out in this episode that it is not an alternate timeline, right? Right. It's... It's just not her. She still doesn't get the happy ending. Yeah. Not to jump ahead. Not to jump ahead. So, on this page, the Evil Queen has written... I've taken alternate wish first Robin hostage and I'm going to kill him unless you face me for a final showdown. And Henry's like, maybe I was wrong in thinking that she could change, but not really. Cause look, look, a lot of this episode is just trying to fill time. So we're just repeating a lot of old stuff here. Nothing new is being said in this scene. Everybody else gets ready to gear up and go rescue Robin. And Regina's like, no, no, no. You all have more important plots. I will go do this by myself. Also, I want to go way, way, way back to when Zelina was the big bad. Okay. You remember when Zelina had cha- had enchanted Hook's lips to steal Emma's powers? I do remember that. And Emma was going to fight Zelina, and everyone insisted that she not go alone, that she take Hook with her. That was really dumb. That was really dumb, but... This is, I'm just surprised that they actually let Regina go fight the Evil Queen alone, because part of this show is people insisting on tagging along to fights where they will be at best hostages. I'm surprised that Henry at least doesn't insist on coming along. Because he's the one person who knows, like, that the Evil Queen won't hurt him. There's a lot of awkward, out-of-character stuff that happens in this episode to get everybody in the position that they need to be in for the following episodes. And I think that's a big one. Henry 100% would have insisted on going with Regina. Especially since he's so committed to reforming the evil queen Regina. And, like, I mean... Whatever, it's stupid, let's move on. (laughs) We actually get this kind of great scene where the evil queen's sitting in Regina's office with Robin, who she's tied to a chariot, and he's like, look... Regina doesn't care about me. I'm not her Robin. So unless it's time for a little bondage fun, either kill me or let me go. Which I know normally we make jokey stuff about that, but he actually does make a joke about having sex with her while he's tied up to the chair. So, Yep. Also, he keeps trying to get out of the bonds and their magic, so they keep retying. It's pretty great. He's like, aha, but you weren't expecting me to be a master escape artist. And then the ropes just retie around him. He's like, damn it, magic. There's some extensive CGI in this. Like, really, it's not the kind of CGI that you think about because it's not a giant dragon. But it's a lot of detail work. Yeah. They put a lot of work into this. Good for them. So. A lot of work that could have just been a handcuff. Point. (laughs) So Robin's like, so what's your end goal here? Like, you kill Regina and then what? And the Evil Queen's like, you know, I haven't actually thought about that. Like, I've been so consumed with revenge. I guess I just want to go to somewhere where I could have a fresh start. And Robin's like, then why don't you just 
go somewhere you can have a fresh start and not bother with revenge. Well, I mean, to be fair to the Evil Queen, even though she doesn't say it, whether or not she kills Regina, if she's going to get away and have a fresh start, she needs to sever the connection between them, which is what the Shears of Fate are for. And couldn't she just do that now? She should do that now and get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah. But, like I said, when we were talking about Henry, then people wouldn't be in place for the story to put them where it wants them to be. That's what this episode is. This episode is just people acting out of character to get them where they need to be all the way down. Okay, but there is one thing I like about this episode and the way it resolves itself, which is a problem I've had with a lot of the big bads in Once Upon a Time. Yeah? Where, spoilers for the end of the episode, they end up defeating the evil queen by just asking her what her motivation is and her realizing that she doesn't actually have one. So... I'm glad you said that because as much as I disliked this episode, I really do like the resolution of what they do with the Evil Queen. So the Evil Queen has been a snake and essentially out of the story for like three or four episodes at this point. Mm -hmm. I really think that they did that. They like literally put her on ice, like literally put her on cold-blooded snakes (laughs) and didn't know what they were going to do to deal with her figured out what they were going to do, but then not how to get there. And now we have this super awkward episode getting us to the good resolution that they should have come up with four episodes ago. We have a we have a whole lot of middle to reach the end. Exactly. So back in the past, Regina and her Victorian ghost dad go to a magical stump where... It's like, it opens, like, they go to a magical stump that opens a... Magical portal door. Magical portal door, which brings them to... Oh, God, it's like Cupid's Glen or something. Yes, Regina recognizes it immediately as light magic. She's like, Mother would have never hidden a spell book here. And... First of all... I wouldn't say Cupid's arrow is light magic, but whatever. Like you said, the portal brings them to a happy, skipping, magical elf glen. Which also kind of reminds me of of how they abandoned Glinda in, like, that magical snow prison. Oh my god, I totally forgot about that! I, I keep forgetting about Glinda! Yeah, like, no one ever resolved that, so is Glinda still stuck there? Selena's good now, but it doesn't seem like she's thinking about any of that stuff. That's pretty funny. Regardless, Victorian Ghost Dad tells Regina that he brought her here so that she would use Cupid's magic arrow to find her way to the one she loves the most. That's what the arrow does. It leads you to the one you love the most. The most ir- Oh my god, Max! Is Cupid the ironic archer? Considering how this episode ends? Oh my god, is Cupid the ironic Cupid archer? Cupid is the most ironic of ironic archers. What's so weird about this, beyond that, is that Regina's like, how did you find out about this? And he's like, a fairy told me. And she's like, Tinkerbell, I trusted you. I trusted you more than anyone. And you were gossiping about me with that fairy? And it's, well, she's not a fairy anymore. Well, that's fine. Also, I don't think that's gossiping. Well, Mm. you know what? Neither of those things bother me. You know what bothers me is that Victorian Ghost Dad is like, you need to go and find your love. And it's like, well, you know what? Maybe you should have thought of that before you sold me as a child bride, dad. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. It's also so Cupid's Glen, it's just this magical fairy glen that has a statue of Cupid holding a golden arrow. Does yep. that arrow like refill if you take it? That arrow okay, so I'm just making this up here. Mm-hmm. The arrow doesn't need no, the arrow does not refill. It's not like if you take the arrow, Cupid will magically be holding another arrow. But once you find your true love, it disappears. Oh, and reappears back. And reappears back in the glen. Yeah. This seems like a really specific... What What was Cupid's end goal here? Who this set is, this up? This is a highly specific magical item. So specific, I can't believe David's mom doesn't own it. Oh, Wow. Well, she has that ring that does the same thing, but more effectively. Well, it does the same thing, but like through coincidences. Mm. It's real Binks talent. Yes, absolutely. That's a Xanth reference. So back in the present, Hook has taken all of his memories out of his brain with the dream catcher that Emma used before to take memories out of his brain, which, by the way... How was he even able to do that? But you know what? Whatever. Thank you. I was like, so just anyone can do that all willy-nilly now? I mean, no. It was a very specific magical thing that only Emma could do because it was like her thing. Whatever. Hook takes his memory out of his head and he's about to burn it. And it's very someone's been watching Harry Potter with the pen sieve shit. And then Emma comes in and is like, wait, don't burn the memories of this terrible thing you did. She, uh, I love how she's like, oh my god, you murdered David's dad and you were about to burn your memories of doing that, which... She knows, <laughs> she, she figured, she walks into this room and is very on the ball about what is going on. Yeah, she gets from point A to point B like, that. Also, I can almost never snap when snapping is called for, so I'm super happy that that got pulled off. <laughs> That's how fast she gets there. So, also... Emma's so weird in this scene. Um, she's a charming. Hook is like, I knew you'd be mad that I killed your grandfather. And she's like, no, I'm mad that you were going to burn your memories. I'm not mad that you murdered someone. I'm mad that you lied about it. I'm a charming. Our reactions are unpredictable. Although she does raise the very good point of, we need to stop hiding shit from... We need to stop hiding shit from each other. It literally always comes back to bite us in the ass. Yeah, that's true. She tells him that the man that she fell in love with understood that secrets only end up hurting people. What? I thought she fell in love with Hook. <laughs> Seriously, when is Hook ever known to not keep secrets? Emma gives him back the ring and stalks off upstairs and Hook wanders to the lonely, lonely docks. Yep, he's drawn back to the docks as he always is. Nemo's crew is loading up the ship for travel with, like, so much fruit, by the way. Like, that fruit is going to go bad before you can eat it all. Maybe they have some sort of magic fruit storing thing. I guess that's not the most unlikely thing that happens in this episode. I mean, honest to God, if I was a seafaring person in a mystical land, that would be the first thing I would seek out is something that could keep fruit fresh for long stretches of time. I guess that makes sense. You don't want the scurvy. So, Hook talks to Nemo about how he isn't the man that Emma fell in love with and how he needs to become that man again and how when... When Nemo found him all those hundreds of years ago, 
when he was on his mission to find men in pain so he could bring them on his therapy sub, he told Hook that the Nautilus was a place where men could find their true selves and he needs to find the true self because that's the man Emma deserves. Sure, whatever. It's weird. It's convoluted. It's an excuse to have Hook be physically on the Nautilus when the end of this episode happens, is what it is. Yeah. So, meanwhile, at City Hall, Regina shows up, and she's like, Robin, and he's like, why did you come? You know I'm not your Robin, right? And she's like, yeah, but I'm a person who doesn't want people to die. Now, unlike in the past. In the past, I would have just let you die. But now, I am motivated to try to save you, even if you're not the man I love. And the Evil Queen's like, oh my god, ugh, and she bamps Robin out of the room. Yeah, she bamps him away so that she can have a showdown with her sister. The sister herself. Oh, right. Her clone twin. Her, her, her morality twin. twin. Her tone. Back in the past, back in the past, Regina takes the arrow and she's like, you know, there's a very thin line between love and hate. Yes, we know, Regina. We're all familiar with this cliche. So she she sort of just plays with the arrow until the gold turns to black. And she's like, there's such a thin line between love and hate. And I'm using my magic to change this god arrow into an arrow that seeks out the person you hate the most instead of the person you love the most. And her Victorian ghost head's like, Regina, no. This guy is so uninvested in this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, dude, they call you like twice a season to have basically the same scene over and over again. Like, free paycheck. At least do your job. Like, come on. Anyway, Regina fires the arrow into the air, which I guess is going to lead her to Snow White. She's going to follow the arrow. Hey, don't locator spells exist in this world? I was as loudly throwing up my hands in the air as I could. So back in the present, the Evil Queen and Regina are having their face off, and the Evil Queen separates their fates or whatever, so now one of them can kill each other without the other one dying. There's a weird CGI, like, red CGI comes out of Regina and goes to the Evil Queen so the Evil Queen can cut it. It's it's the red CGI glow of fate. Not to, like, go to Harry Potter again, but it looks like when Harry and Voldemort face off and their wands, like, connect. So, except it's their hearts that are connected. Except the CGI can't quite hit their hearts, so it's their guts that are connected. Feel it right here. In my gut. So then the two of them both bamp swords into their hands and start sword fighting. Why Why is this not a magic fight? This is the same Now thing. I'm throwing my hands up in the air. This is the same thing, like, back in, uh, back during when the Snow Queen had her, like, ice rain that made people eat, her glass rain that made people want to kill each other thing at the end of season, whatever season that was. Yeah. Where the evil queen finds Mary Margaret and then starts sword fighting with her for no reason. Okay, you know what? We're not even going to worry about that because, Max, please let me describe the stupidest scene in this whole episode. So back in the past, the hate-seeking arrow brings Regina to her castle. She says, oh, Snow thinks she's going to steal from me. 
and she storms up to her tower where the arrow flies into her wardrobe so that she will open up her wardrobe and see in the mirror on the door herself. Oh my god, Regina hates herself the most, which... Yeah, we kind of picked up on that when she, you know, physically manifested herself so she could murder herself. This is so bad that it gloriously circles around to me loving it. So the evil queen knocks Regina's sword out of her hand in the present and she's like, you made me a physical person so that you could murder me. That's how much you hate yourself. And Regina, I do kind of love this. Regina's like, apples! And she picks up a, she picks up a bowl of apples on the table and throws them at the evil queen. And the evil queen's like, no, my one weakness! And then just, she drops the sword and then telekinetically throws Regina into a wall. Because she's like, right, um, magic. Um, um, she does not throw her into a wall. She throws her into a mirror which shatters. Max, why are they even bothering to put all of this subtle symbolism in if you're going to ignore it? So the evil queen picks up her sword. She's like, you hate me and I hate me and I'm going to kill you, me, so that'll make me, me happy. And Regina's like, hey, remember that thing I used to do all the time in season one where I made trees come to life and grab people? And that one time it was really cool where I did that with my tree wallpaper and grabbed David at the beginning of season two? That. Yeah, it's awesome. She makes the tree wallpaper come to life and grab the evil queen. And she pulls out the evil queen's heart. heart. And then she has a moment because the evil queen's like, I hate you. And Regina's, Regina has a moment like when your teenage kid is being a brat. And they're like, I hate you. And you're like, well, I love you anyway. She looks down into the shards of mirror that are on the floor because the evil queen threw, threw her into the mirror. And she sees her own face, and Max, she realizes that her face is the evil queen's face as well, because she and the evil queen are one. It me? So then, she takes out her own heart, and she takes on some of the evil queen's evil, and gives the evil queen some of her good. Well, it's not specifically her good, it's she gives the evil queen some of the love that she's accumulated over her time in Storybrooke. Yeah, basically, she puts the hearts together until the darkness and it equalizes. Yeah. And she's like, look, you're me and I remember, I remember being in the same shitty place you're in now. And my solution wasn't a solution. You are... Your, you're your own separate person and I'm going to I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be the person that I needed. I'm going to be my ineffectual I'm going to be our ineffectual Victorian ghost dad. I'm going to be my own best friend. Oh my. So so Regina puts her heart back in. She puts the evil queen's heart back in. Y'all, it turns out the solution this whole time was to not do the thing where she split herself in two. And if she did, than to just have them be two of the same person. And you know what? This kind of gets us two Reginas. Kind of cool with that. Okay, there's a commercial break after they hug and reconcile. And then we come back to the evil queen and Regina straightening up the office, which is a little detail I love so much. The evil queen is like, I, I mean, she's not even, well, we're still going to call her the evil queen just to differentiate. Yeah. The evil queen is like, sorry about your lamp. And Regina's like, it's okay. Things can be replaced. What matters is that you're okay. Oh, God. 
She she really says that. There's just this really casual thing of her placing a couch back upright. You know, it's funny. This is the opposite of what usually happens. Usually the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, God, this is kind of repetitive and not good. I'm like, the more I'm talking about this, I'm just loving this part. Yeah, I mean, it was hokey and kind of off when we were watching it, but going over it, it's more fun. Because they're just playing with a, this is sort of an awkward thing because the evil queen has realized she's like, I don't actually know what I want. Yeah, yeah. And Regina's like, if if you could do anything, what would you do? And and the evil queen says, I'd go back and I'd I'd follow Tinkerbell's advice. I'd go meet Robin in that bar. And Regina's like, okay, so what we need is we need someone's brain, we need someone's heart, we need someone's courage, and, and we a need a baby. baby. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, no time travel for these two. Um, she also asks, so where's where's Wish vs. Robin? And the evil queen's like, oh, I, I put him back. Rumpel's too busy dealing with his son issues to keep track of that wand that can traverse realms. So, see. Yeah, she's still the wand. Um, okay, so a couple of things here that I just, I, I have to stop us so that I can talk about a couple of things here. All right. First of all. She went to the trouble of stealing a wand from Rumpelstiltskin so she could keep her word to Robin Hood. So maybe not entirely evil. Yeah. Even though she was the evil queen. Also, when the two of them are talking about what it is that they want, and the evil queen says, you know, she would have followed Tink's advice and gone and hooked up with Robin. And... Regina says that she wouldn't have changed anything because she has her son, she has her life. All of that. But Evil Queen has the same memories as Regina. Like, Henry's her son too, right? I guess Regina kept most of the Henry love in her heart when she was splitting them up. But, I mean, it's kind of like they're acting as though, at at this point in time, they're acting as though the Evil Queen came into existence at the moment that Regina separated them as opposed to has always been a part of Regina and has always existed. So no guilt about the fact that you're not going to get to be with Henry anymore because he's not really your kid because you didn't come into existence until a week ago. Except that's not really true. I think the idea that Henry would still exist and have a Regina out there maybe is enough to carry this. I don't know. Whatever. We're getting them at... We're just finishing up this plot at this point. Yeah, I guess that's right. So the Evil Queen's like, look, I can't be in town. We can't keep doing these two Regina shots. I'm not sure if they're too expensive, but the editors don't like them. Yeah, I don't know if they're too expensive or too awkward. We just need to... I just want to find a place where I can get a new start. And so Regina brings the Evil Queen to... For some reason, Granny's Diner, After Dark. It's where the it's where plots are resolved, Max. Granny's Diner. Where, it's where plots go to die. It's where Henry, Mary Margaret, and Zelina are. Yeah, Zelina's there now. And also, Zelina is like, wait, why are we on the Evil Queen's side now? Didn't she try to murder us a minute ago? And and Mary Margaret's like, I agree with Zelina, and I'm like. You don't, she, she, Zelina, you were working with the Evil Queen like four episodes ago. Also, yes, Zelina has no place to be saying, wasn't she trying to kill us last episode? 
Also, what happened to Mary Margaret thinking everyone could be redeemed? Mary Margaret says to Regina, maybe not everyone can be redeemed. And Regina's like, she's literally exactly me. Also, Mary Margaret's not taking any of the blame for this, even though she is the one who stole the person splitting potion and gave it to Regina. I guess it was it a potion. It was a. It was a serum because it was science based magic. Mm. But Regina wants Henry to use his author powers to send the evil queen to a place where she can have a fresh start. We're going to talk about the awkwardness of this at the end. Of... Um, actually, I want to talk about it right now. Oh, okay. It's awkward because she goes to the wish first, and the question is, is she not being... Hunted by Prince Henry's guards for killing Queen Snow and King David? Because that was something Regina did in the wish first. She's a very, very much wanted person in the wish first. Also, she's the evil queen who has been banished, who apparently everyone recognizes on sight. Except not when she goes to the wish first at the end of the episode. Uh, here's my theory. Mm Mm-hmm. Henry fixed that when he wrote her back in. Oh, yeah. Henry, Henry would do that. That's that's not that's not really a plot hole. That makes 100% sense that Henry would do that. Also, it explains why they have Henry write her in instead of just using the wand to send her there. Point. Good point. All right, once upon a time. You're okay this time. So the evil queen's sort of sheepishly standing in the doorway and Regina's like, come on, Henry's going to send you someplace where you can have a happy ending. And the evil queen has her Wizard of Oz goodbyes with everyone. Also, who's looking after Zelina and Mary Margaret's babies? But Granny! Yeah, right. Hey, Granny, we need to use your place of business, and also you need to babysit for us. That is exactly how that went down. So the evil queen's having her her Wizard of Oz goodbyes, and, she's, and Henry calls her mom, and she's like, Mom! It's the first time you've called me that. And I'm like, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't want to go I back. I think that and... is true. Is it? Yeah. So, Henry literally writes in the book, the evil queen went to a place where she could get a fresh start, and then she light teleports out of the room. Yes. Um, We should say that they decided this was a loophole. Henry could affect the plot here because... The evil queen isn't part of his book. Yeah, they bring up, they're like, aren't authors not supposed to change the events? And Henry's like, it's okay because she's not from my book, which, what? Also, yes, she is because she's half of Regina. You know what? Whatever. Also, aren't you supposed to be writing all of this stuff down as it as it's happening? So she would have been part of the story. Yeah, I mean, I assume he goes home and writes all of this every night. Oh my god, this is his... Diary. He's like Doogie Howser, except with reality altering what do you mean except i never watched doogie hauser so i don't know i'm joking doogie hauser didn't have reality altering powers no not that we saw not not on screen anyway so it seems like she went back in time because the evil queen's walking down a street and no one's paying her any mind despite being dressed like the evil queen and yeah she- even if she's not known people should be checking out that dress And she sees Robin through the window of a tavern, and it's the exact same shot. She walks in, and she's like, hey, Robin. And he's like, oh, so did your revenge thing not go down? So it's not the past. It's now. It's just that Henry literally wrote her a fresh start. So did she not kill the king and queen, or did no one care about it, or whatever? This is just this way of wrapping up. Those aren't details that are important to us here. Yes. 
The important thing is that the Evil Queen is going to hook up with Robin in this timeline, because they're both the bad versions of established characters. Yep, they're going to do evil boning forever. Yep, they're going to do evil boning and live happily ever after. Alright. I wish more stories ended like that. It is kind of cool, because she's just like, look, there's all this baggage, but that's not our baggage. Let me buy you a drink. And he's like, yeah, okay. So, that's a that's a wrap on the Evil Queen. That is a wrap on the Evil Queen. So, Hook is back at the loneliness docks. And, and now it's snowing. And now it's snowing. And Mary Margaret is also there for some reason. And she's like, hey, Hook, I know you missed out on this plot, but uh, we resolved the whole Evil Queen thing off screen for you, I guess. <laughs> and it's nice to know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, anyone can have a happy ending. Bye! <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Admiral Theme Stater. Well, I mean, Mary Margaret had no reason to go down to the docks other than to be like, hey, I just wanted you to know, villains can get happy endings. Love can save even the darkest of souls. Whatever, Mary Margaret. Shut up, Mary Margaret. Your husband's still in a magic coma. Right? Oh, we should have mentioned the Evil Queen doesn't know how to break that spell, but she did give all of her notes yeah whatever to regina so that they can theoretically break it okay and mary margaret tells hook how happy she is that he's the one emma's chosen to spend the rest of her life with and then she kisses him on the lips and wanders off yep i do like that she tells him hey make sure to tell emma that we resolve the evil queen thing okay it's like a phone tree you that's what's happening right now they had a evil queen they had a big bad phone tree mary margaret had hook she let him know now he has to let emma know so hook takes emma's ring out of his pocket and then he goes on the nautilus to tell them that he's not going on the nautilus yeah he gets on he goes onto the ship we cut to emma wandering around her dark empty house alone at night she was really expecting that Hook would be there to be all like, hey, I'm sorry, here's the ring, I'm reproposing, and is kind of disappointed that he's not, even though she should have just come home an hour later, because he's down in the Nautilus telling Nemo, hey, I'm not going to run away and be a submariner with you. I'm going to go marry my girlfriend instead. Yeah, and uh, Nemo's like, yeah, that was the correct choice, or a correct choice. Anything you did would have been fine. So... I, I thought it might have happened here. I guess it happened earlier and I missed it. I want to talk about the fact that when he had his first conversation with Nemo, yeah, he said that he can't be with Emma because he can't be the person who did something to hurt a member of her family. Clearly forgetting the fact that he attempted to send her entire family to hell. I'm sorry. I know. I know every episode, but this whole plot, <laughs> bless you, she forgave you for attempting to send her entire family, including her son, to hell, I think she would have been cool with the fact that you killed someone she never met. There you go again, Max. Expecting it charming to have consistent motivation. I just... This whole plot was so contrived, from from its wee cloven feet to the tippy tip of its horns. Well, it's especially annoying because... 
We don't need to throw in another complication to their relationship. We are winding up this season, people. Just let them get married and let's move on to the rest of the season. So, speaking of the main plot, sort of, yeah. The sh- the sub starts launching and Hook's like, wait, I'm here. And and, and I-, I was going to get back together with Emma. And Gideon bamps onto the ship and he's like, yeah, remember me? I haven't been around all episode. I've still got plans. I'm still a major player, and I need you out of my hair. I need you to not be there for the savior. Yeah, Hook was going to be the defining feature in that fight. So he sends the su- so he uses his magic to send the submarine to the bottom of the ocean, but not in a murdery way. And then he bamps onto the docks, and he's like, "Ha ha 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 ha!" By the way, that should have been the last shot of the episode. But we get a sad shot of Emma wandering around her house and then turning off a light because symbolism. Yeah. Well, it's, here's the thing. Since Hook was fixing to run away anyway, there's no reason for Emma to know that he was kidnapped and not assume he ran away. It's a bad position to be in for Hook. Whatever. I don't even know if she knew he was going to run away. Yeah, but, you know. Yeah. So. You know, I think this episode was exactly the kind of episode we started this podcast for. Yes. And that is to say this is an episode that was way more fun to talk about than it was to watch. That is very, very true. And even then, my God, the Hook subplot just... I know some of you watched the episodes along with us and... Sorry. Seriously, bless you. Because <laughs> this, this one is rough stuff. Yep. Roof stoof. Yep. But... All right, so Fashion Corner, really the only thing I can recommend, really the only thing that popped out was Regina's beginning of the episode Torching Village First Lady outfit. Yeah, it was great. It also had, we didn't mention at the time, but it had a, a lot of cool military details with it, the with the closures. Which is weird because her storybook coat that has the military details doesn't really work. But this combination, first lady, you know, pillbox hat, peacock feather, weird dicky thing, thing works surprisingly well with, it's kind of like one of those overdone military uniforms. Yeah, yeah, like a dictator's, like a dictator's dress uniform, which is exactly what it was, if you think about it. Like a French dictator, because it has all the ticky tacky. Sure. Frills. Yeah, I gotcha. So, recommendations. Okay, so here's the thing. If I was going to go off of this episode, my recommendation would be that you read Witches Abroad, Mm -hmm. the Discworld novel by Terry Pratchett. And if you have not yet, please do. But I can't recommend that technically because we already did recommend it. But if you haven't yet, it's great. You should read it. And if you're a fan of Once Upon a Time and our podcast, it's definitely something you would enjoy. What I am going to recommend, I'm going to stretch really far mm-hmm. and just recommend you watch something else entirely. <sighs> I'm going to recommend that instead of watching Once Upon a Time, especially this episode, you just go binge all of Russian Doll on Netflix right now. It's not connected to this episode at all, other than us watching it yesterday to avoid watching this episode. And it is so good. I honestly don't want to tell you anything about it if you haven't watched it yet. Just watch it. It is really good. And... I mean, if you wanted to bullshit, you could probably bullshit some connections well, between. Well, there are definitely things about destiny and changing your fate. And family. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely family stuff going on there. 
So yeah, Russian doll, and if you want something specific, which is abroad, which if if you haven't tried reading some Terry Pratchett, you should. I, I mean, I'd probably say Good Omens is a good place to start. No, Monstrous Regiment. Monstrous Regiment, I feel like, is a really good backdoor into Discworld. I mean, I always suggest starting Discworld if you're getting into it for the first time with Weird Sisters, which is the first witch novel. Oh yeah, Weird Sisters is actually my first Discworld book. And yeah, it's a really good entry point into Discworld. Yeah, depending on the person I'm recommending it to, I always recommend their entry point be either Weird Sisters or Guards Guards. Mm. And since I'm talking to our podcast audience right now, I'm going to go ahead and take a leap and assume that my recommendation is going to be wi- is going to be Weird Sisters. Right. So that should about do it for this week. Yeah, I guess we're done. Yay, got through this episode. Woo! Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of those supporters, you can head over to our website, www.ilovetelevisionzines.com, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. You can also support us in other ways, such as by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. We can also be contacted at i love tv zines on twitter or at i love television zines at gmail.com so until next time i'm tina and i'm max and this has been welcome to storybrook 